Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Church, I think it's safe to say that we live in a world of alienation. Alienation. We see alienation in politics. We see alienation in race relationships. We see alienation in economics. We see it definitely in the media. And of course, we see alienation in religion. Now, the term alienation really struck me, so I went to Mr. Webster and I said, Mr. Webster, what, 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 help me define what alienation really is. And Mr. Webster defines it like this, the state or experience of being isolated from a group or an activity to which one should belong or in which one should be involved. That's alienation. Let me say it again. The state or experience of being isolated. You guys know the story. You guys ever felt that way? Being alienated? The Bible, although written many, many years ago, actually addresses the topic of alienation. You go, it does? Yeah, first and foremost... The Word of God addresses our alienation from God. Now again, let me just take you back so I make sure that you're learning. The the word alienation is a state or experience of being isolated from a group or an activity. So so the Word of God declares to you and I that we we were alienated, we were isolated, we were from God. From God. But it also addresses our alienation from another, from one another. Well, how so? Well, if you're taking notes, Paul's going to address this later on. But Ephesians 4.18, and I'm going to read uh, from the New Living Translation. It says, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from life. God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against them. Your attention, please. He's talking exactly about being alienated from God. This is what he's saying. We're alienated from life and God. And Paul, also under the power of the Holy Spirit, also talks about our alienation from one another. We're going to look at that in verse 12 today. But he's going to tell us that we were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Now, Here's the thing. When we read the Word of God, sometimes we're like commonwealth of Israel. I'm not sure what that means. And we'll blow past it just trying to get to something that's going to apply to us. And that's the importance of expository Bible teaching. To come and understand and go, oh, wow, I understand what he's saying. In a nutshell, the Bible's answer to alienation well, you could drop this down. It's reconciliation. Reconciliation. And that's the theme, church, of Ephesians chapter 2. It's reconciliation. The first half of Ephesians chapter 2 depicts our alienation from God. But let me remind you, just so you're up to speed, what we talked about last week. If you recall we opened up our study with a real-life, modern-day illustration. Most of you know, whether you're a football fan or not, 
Damar Hamlin was dead on the field when he suffered a sudden cardiac arrest. The young man of 24 years old went for a tackle, got the man down, stood up, and then automatically boom. Well, they rushed on the field, if you recall, and they tried to revive him. For 10 minutes, they could not revive DeMar. So there they are. They're giving him CPR. They're doing the fibrillation, all of that stuff. His teammates and all those who were close to him were actually crying. They saw that this man was not breathing. He was literally clinically dead, if you will. And after about 10 minutes, they got his heart to beat. And of course, they rushed DeMar to the hospital. And this was DeMar's journey from death to life. Now, I know if you go on YouTube, there are many people who go, yeah, I suffered an out-of-body experience. I died for 10 minutes. I remember being on the table. There's a lot of them. But this one really, this one really touched home because even the commentators were saying, say a prayer, say a prayer. Well, who are we going to say a prayer to? Only the one that can hear, the God of the universe. So in a hostile world against God, and you know it's hostile, People were praying. People were praying. Well, Damar was a great illustration of what Paul was wanting to teach us. See, spiritually speaking, our journey is the same. It goes from death to life. And we learned in, in verses 1 through 10 we discovered a classic example of how Paul the Apostle wrote the doctrine of salvation. In other words, he's saying this journey from death to life. This is what he's really emphasizing. So Paul does something very interesting. He reminds the church at Ephesus. He's writing to them. He says this. He says, do you remember your former spiritual state before coming to Christ? And we learned very much how this applies to us as well. If you recall, in verses 1 to 10, it was divided into three sections. First and foremost, it was where you were before you met Jesus. Oftentimes, we call it our BC days, before Christ. Who you were, where you were, where you were going. Now, if you know about Jesus, you know a lot about him, but don't have a personal relationship with him, I want you to pay attention because I'm going to personally invite you to have a real, authentic relationship with God. Why is this important? Here's why. Because it's Super Bowl Sunday. There's many of us in this room who know a lot about Pat Mahomes. We can say his stats. We can say what his favorite food is. We can say who his kids are. We know who his wife is. We know a lot about Pat Mahomes, but very little of us really know him. And, and, and we've never hung out with him. We've never had a steak with him. We see him on TV. We know he went to tech, so forth and so forth. Well, it's the same with God. There's a lot of people who know a lot about God, a lot about Jesus. They don't know him personally. They've never been transformed from the inside out. Oh, no, they can quote scriptures and they can, and they can look religious, but they don't know him. That's where we were before we met Jesus. That was point number one. Point number two is our journey to meet Jesus. Our journey to meet Jesus. We talked about what our life was like, and the Bible describes it pretty well. Here's what he says. He says, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. I didn't obey the devil. 
No, that's what the Word of God says. You obeyed the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the Spirit who works in the heart of those two who refuse to obey God. All of us choose to live that way. Do you remember? Following the passionate desires and inclinations of sinful nature? We just did this. We were by very nature subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. That's a, that was our journey. That's who you were. And sometimes pride in our lives make us cross our arm and go, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. I've always been close to God. No, no, no. This is who you were before you met Jesus. But I'm so glad because then he gives us our journey from death to life. Here's what he says, Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 10. He says, for grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. He says, not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. This is the journey. This is the journey, guys. What's the journey? It's salvation. This is who you were. You went from death to life. Quite honestly, in a spiritual way, if you will, your heart began to beat the moment you accepted Christ. Well, my heart never stopped beating. No, no, spiritually speaking, can you imagine, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I'm going to follow you. Forgive me of my sins. I open up my heart and let you inside. Be my Lord, my God, my Savior, my friend. Boop, boop. Boop, boop. Your spiritual heart began to be. What happened? I don't know. I'm just different. I'm just different. And you begin to walk in the Lord. You begin to walk in the Lord. That was your journey. Well, what did you do? All I do is the scales fell from my eyes. They opened up my heart. I thought I had to jump over hoops. I had, I thought that. He goes, no, 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 no. Here's the thing. He says, not of works. Because no one in heaven is going, hey, how did you get here? You know how I got here? Nobody in heaven's doing that. Nobody in heaven's doing that. No one in heaven is going to boast. As a matter of fact, if we were to see a glimpse of heaven today, most all of the all of people in heaven are, are are just humbly bowing before God, going, "Wow, wow! I didn't do anything to get here. It was Jesus. I put my faith and trust in Him." Yeah, but you did good works while you were on earth. You did good things. He goes, "Yeah, because I'm His poem. I'm His workmanship." And he created in me good works. God prepared all the good works. And he's just asking me to walk in those good works. In those good works. You go, what are they? Well, everybody's works are different. Everybody's lane is different. And that's the beauty of Jesus. Everyone is different. And it's like, okay, here we go. If you run in your lane and I run in my lane, we're getting God's glory. We're accomplishing what he's called us to do. Then that's what he says in a nutshell. Not everybody can be a mouth. Not everybody can be an eye. Not everybody can be an ear. You know how weird we would look? You know what we need? We need some toes in here. Anybody want to be a toe for God? Of course. Whatever God's called me to, I want to be. Anybody want to be a knee? We're all one body. Anybody want to be a hand? Anyone want to be his feet? How about an ear? You want to know how beautiful an ear for God is? is that you learn to listen to the heart of somebody else. How beautiful is that? And that's what he's saying. He's saying, I've created these good works. I've created these good works. So, verses 1 through 10, if you recall, in a nutshell, he tells us who we were, who we are, and what we will become in Christ. 
and he has a wonderful plan for our lives. But let me stop you right there because I want to remind you, if you're not a believer here today, if you're not a fully devoted follower of God here today, this message, this, this, this book is not for you. You see, Paul is writing to those who are fully devoted believers of God. And you go, well, wait a minute then, why am I here? Because I always use the term yet. Because if you're not a fully devoted believer of God yet, today you can do that. And you go, if I give my life to Jesus today, then this message is for me? Absolutely. And that's why at the end of every message I say, hey, how many of you want to pray to receive Christ? It's so important. It's so important. What do you mean? Well, let me just say this. The Bible, church, is a love letter written to his children. And if you're not a believer, you're not his child, and therefore you're reading somebody else's mail. You understand that. So like yesterday I went to the grocery store, and as I opened the door, I found a little letter, a little, a little note um, on the ground. I, me being the good you know, citizen that I am, I picked up the letter. And I opened it. Guess what? It was a grocery list. You go, yeah, what's your point? It wasn't my list. It didn't mean anything to me. I just threw it in the trash. Why? Well, I didn't need any of those things that, that they needed. Particular beer was on there, but that's a whole other story. It's the same thing with the Word of God. Until your heart is transformed, then it becomes opened up. It's like, oh, I didn't see this. I didn't see this. So the Bible tells us who we were. Amen. Who we are. Amen. And who we will, who will we become. And He has a wonderful plan for our lives. How cool would it be is that at the end of your days that you can smile, take your last breath, and know that you fulfilled His plan for your life. You go, well, Pastor, I want it easy. I want, it, I, want, I want the easy road. That's usually not the case. The case is prayer and more prayer and more prayer and more amens and more prayer. You, got, you understand, it, the life is not, it's not um, all rainbows and butterflies. It's not all a four-lane highway straight. It's, it's, it's rough. It's tough. It's the enemy. It, it's, listen, your Christianity is going to be under attack. The, de- the gates of hell won't prevail against you, but it's going to be under attack. Listen, I can't do anything. The enemy says, I can't do anything from keeping you from serving God, but I can, I can definitely get you to the place where you're not doing anything. I can do that. I can shelve you. I can get you so wrapped up in yourself, you won't even think about God. Trust the Lord. He's got a good plan for our lives. Okay. Now, remember, the focus is to understand. Everybody say understand. Understand. Say it again. Who we really are. Once you understand who you really are, in Christ... You will be so compelled and so feel, you'll feel so loved that you'll want to reach those who are far from him. That's what will happen. It'll bubble up in you. You'll be like, oh, I can't do nothing, but I just got to tell people about him. And that's what we're going to talk. Today we're going to continue our journey from death to life. In verses 11 through 22, we're going to learn, you ready, about being alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. And listen, It's hard for us to comprehend the deep hostility that existed between Jews and Gentiles in Paul's day. You've got to understand that. 
And commentator William Barclay helps us to get a sense of what deep alienation is. He says, I want to I share with you, uh, especially between Jews and Gentiles, but especially on the Jewish side. So here's where he writes. Listen to this. I'm quoting from William Barclay. He says this, the Jew had immense contempt for the Gentile. Okay? The Gentiles said the Jews were created by God to be the fuel for the fires of hell. God, they said, loved only Israel of all the nations that he had made. And it was not even lawful to render help to a Gentile mother in her hour of sorest need. For that would simply bring another Gentile into the world. Until Christ came, the Gentiles were object of content to the Jews. The barrier between them was absolute. If a Jewish boy married a Gentile girl, or if a Jewish girl married a Gentile boy, the funeral of that Jewish boy or girl was carried out. She, or such contact with the Gentile, was equivalent to death. Think about that. That's what he writes. There was so much hostility. Awful. By way of application, I draw your attention to what Jesus told us as believers. He said, the world hated Jesus, He's going, they're going to hate you. They're going, they have just that deep content for you as a believer. For you as a believer. Especially if you are living out your faith. The world is going to look and it's going to, I mean, you could see, you could see. But not only that, we've even taken this hostility even into our own circles of religion. How so? Well, I heard of one family when a young man or a young woman would give their life to Jesus and become a Christian, that they would actually hold a funeral for her and she would be out of the family. Oh, no, no, she's very much alive but she was no longer welcome in that family. You see, it still goes on today. Sometimes, church, there are people who put religion above a relationship with the God that created us. You go, you know it's true. You know it's true. Now, Just for a moment, allow me to paint a picture in your mind that illustrates this type of alienation. How so? Think about the temple. Think about the temple back in 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 Jesus' day. If you recall if you recall, the temple had several courts. It had the court of the women, it actually had the court of the Gentiles, and so forth. And so I started thinking about the temple and I found um, what commentator John Stott wrote. He wrote this, check this out. Round it was the court of the priests. East of this was the court of Israel. The furthest east was the court of women. These three courts, for the priests, the laymen, and the laywomen of Israel, respectively, were all on the same elevation as the temple itself. From this level, one descended five steps into a walled platform. And then, on the other side of the wall, 14 more steps to another wall beyond which was the outer court of the Gentiles. This spacious court, running right around the temple and the inner courts, 
from any part of it, Gentiles could look up and view the temple, but were not allowed to approach it. They were cut off from it by the surrounding wall, which was four and a half foot stone barricade, which Paul referred to as the dividing wall of hostility. We're going to look at that in verse 14. On this wall displayed intervals, warning notices of, in Greek and Latin. They read, in effect, not trespassers will be prosecuted. Here's what they read. Trespassers will be executed. End quote. So where does that leave you and I? Alienated from God, from Israel, and the temple. As we approach chapter 2, we must consider that background. Listen closely. All of us in this room were alienated from God because of sin. All of us in this room, again, were alienated because of our sin. In addition, people were alienated from the Gentiles, but even worse than that, then the alienation was resulting in hostility. Hostility between man and God, hostility between Jew and Gentile. You understand that. There was great hostility. We were alienated. We have a beautiful picture painted for us by William Barclay and John Stott. But then, the most two lovely words you've ever heard, and you could ever hear was, but God. But God. Can you imagine in your life being ostracized, being alienated from family and friends and people you love? Can you imagine? Because of the color of your skin? because of where you were brought up, because of what side of the tracks you live on, whatever it might be, you know what it feels like to be alienated. And then we hear those words, but God. If you're taking note, remember we talked about it last week, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, says, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, and which he loved us. I love that term, but God, but God. Because I know where I was. I know where I belonged. But there's the but God. Now, as we come to verse 11, I'm calling this message all in the family, for today we discover God reconciling us to his family. And so now we're all in the family. Go, what does that mean? You ready? Here's what I want you to do. All of us are family. We're all family. Wait a minute. That dude over there, he's my, that's your brother. You might as well get used to him. Wait, what? That's how sad the church, I'm saying the church has become. Because we've just looked at people on their outwardness and we've alienated them based on their socioeconomic status or the color of their skin. And, oh, oh, that's my chair. That's where I sit or whatever it might be. Paul says, no, 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 we're family. We're family. You know what happens in family? Crazy things happen in family. Okay? You have the weird uncle in your family. 
You have the weird aunties who, I mean, seriously. Everybody has those. Oh, yeah, that's my aunt. Oh. And the Hispanic culture was the tia loca. I mean, I'm telling you right now, that's the crazy aunt. You guys know that, right? But we're family. We're family. Any of you ever grow up with brothers and sisters? Anybody grow up with brothers and sisters? Yeah. Did you ever fight? <laughs> you did, didn't you? Oh, my goodness. My two girls. My two girls. Man, I would come home from work, and they would be just fighting, fighting. Athletes just like, oh, they've been at each other all day. But if anyone turned against them, they unite. No, I, I can be mean to my little sister, but you can't. And they would unite. That's how we should be in the family. That's what Paul wants to get to us today. We're all in the family. Okay, so how is it broken up? You ready? Jot this down if you're taking notes. These verses, 11 to 22, are broken up three ways. Number one, we're going to see how we're separated by sin. How we're separated by sin. That's going to be the first one. Then the second one is going to be how we're reconciled through Christ. So we have separation, reconciliation, and then the final chapter, the final verses are going to be transformed in him, which is key. Why? If you recall, in our Wednesday night study, we don't just want to be impressed by God, we want to be transformed by God. We don't want to just go, oh man, I'm impressed by how he does. I want to be transformed. So let's talk about separation by sin. Verse 11 and 12. Paul writes, therefore, whenever we see a therefore, we know that application is coming. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by what is called circumcision made in the flesh by hands. At that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Okay, let's unpack this. Now, sometimes I wish Paul would just speak English. You understand? Hey, these dudes didn't like you. You were losers. and I, No, but Paul just, he just goes, so I, gives, us, gives me a job. Okay, so I have to unpack it. He says, don't forget, what's that, Paul, that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. He wants to remind us. He says, you were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews. And what were, why, why did they say that? Well, they were proud of their circumcision, although, listen, church, this is good, it only affected their bodies and not their hearts. You see, circumcision was an outward sign of something that should be happening in the heart. A covenant. And God speaks more about the circumcision of our heart, letting the foreskin of our heart fall so that we can have a real relationship with God. Paul says, in those days, if you recall, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel. You didn't know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Knowing how the Jews hated the, the, the Gentiles and how you were created simply for the fires of hell, knowing how in the temple you couldn't even get close, that you could see it from a distance, but this is as far as you could go, you would understand what Paul is writing. It all has to make sense. Could you imagine? Could you imagine in our day and age if that, if that in the church of God we had, okay, how many of you make X amount of money? You sit over here. You've got the good seats, okay? 
The rest of you are going to sit on wooden benches because you're not, and, and maybe some of you who are not, you can sit out. I mean, we could, we could do that. And, 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 and Paul says, and he reminds us, we're living apart from Christ. And here's what it means. Having no part in him, we're far from him. We're far from him. Can any of you relate? Can any of you go, yep, I remember. I remember. Woo. Now, I want you to take a moment to recall your BC days. You go, BC days? Yeah, that's, that's days before Christ, before coming to him. Now, here's what I want you to see. Whether you admit it or not, we were living our lives in this world without God and without hope. Now, why do I say that? Because there are a lot of people who go, no, 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 I've always been close to God. I've always had a relationship with, ever since I was born, I could remember just being close with God. And, and me and God had a, and, and we were, I would, yeah, um, I mean, no, I've always been a Christian. Really? When did you get saved? I think it was at one. At one. I couldn't speak, but I said, I said yes to Jesus. And, and we sort of do that. Why? Because we don't want to feel like we were ever alienated. We were ever alienated. You see, it's important parents hear that our kids know Jesus because they have to make a decision for themselves. They're not going to get in on the, ta- on, 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 on the tailcoats of you. Oh, 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 come on, come on. As much as parents, we would do anything for our kids. They have to have a real relationship with God. They have to surrender their lives to God. As parents, we need to do everything we can to feed them and bring them up in the word of God. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's their decision to say yes to him. To say yes to him. We have to admit, guys, that we really were living without God and without hope. We learned that we were dead in trespasses and sins. And we understand that we were reconciled back to God. How? Through Jesus' death on the cross. This is how he brought us back. But we also became part of a new family. In this new family, there's no Jew or Gentile or anything else. It's one new family. It's one new family. And this is what God did. So we were separated, and it had to be Jesus. Do you understand that? You were dead. You were separated. You had no way, no way of coming to Christ. You had no way. And you were living in a world without hope. Can you imagine? And this is what breaks my heart in our world today. There are many people in our city that are living day to day without any hope. And their hope is that hopefully next week it'll be better. Or one day I'm going to get the big job and it'll be better. Or one day I'm going to meet the woman or the man of my dreams and it's going to be better. Or one day, and they're without hope. And you and I have the answer. Our hope is found in Christ. Well, yeah, but I go to this church. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship with the God that created you. Oh, oh, okay. So what did Christ do? Well, again, we see reconciliation through Christ. Look at verse 13. But now, everybody see that? Underline that in your Bible. But now, in Christ Jesus... You who were once far off have been brought near, how? By the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, 
who has made us both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. There it is. Underline that in your Bible. Why? Because it's exactly everybody who's reading Paul's letter would go, oh, wow, yes. What does that mean? You as a Gentile looking up at the temple going, man, I wish I could get close to God. Paul says, you know what Christ did? He There was an earthquake and the walls came tumbling down and you had access to the temple. Oh, far out. Really? Yeah, that's what he said. Well, what else did he do? Verse 15, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, so as to create himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and those who were near. Why did I have you underline that? Because but now in verse 13 paralyzed the but God in verse 4. When Christ died on the cross, he broke every barrier that stood between the Jews and the Gentiles. Wow. He broke it. What a sweet... Think about that, guys. You see, sometimes I go, yeah, I gave my life to Jesus, died on the cross, but I'm still... I don't know. No, no, no. He brought us into a new family. And you know that new family. Why? Your spirit relates to other. The spirit, you may not know. You may not know. Everybody comes from different walks of life. They all come from different places. And yet, we're brothers. How does that happen? How does that happen? It has to be through the Holy Spirit. My spirit bears witness of your spirit. We're family. So I can borrow money from you. Because that's what family does. Right, Joe? There we go. Can I borrow some money, Joe? That's a bummer, dude. We'll pray for you, Joe, to get saved and be part of the family so you give us money. But now, in Christ Jesus, you were far off. Look at that word. Circle that word there. Why? Because he uses it both in 13 and again in 17. And here's what it means. You're at a distance. You're at a distance. You, You were way over there. You were way over there. You were, you were far off. You, you weren't close to God. You weren't close. Listen, some people think, oh, I've always, I've always tried to follow God. Listen, or, or, or we'll say this, I found God. You didn't find God. God found you. You were wandering off chasing butterflies. And God says, no, 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 come back. I got it. I got a plan for you. I got a plan for you. I'm going to save you. You're going to save me? Yeah. And then when I save you, I'm going to give you a great, great life. It's going to be good. Yeah, but Lord, there's going to be attacks and sufferings. I know, but I'll walk through with you. But Lord, I could die. That's okay, because I'll be there to receive you. And, and, and you'll be with me forever. And you'll live eternally. Amen. And you'll have peace. And you'll have joy in your life. Can I ask you a question, church? Do you have the peace of God in your life today? Do you have that joy? I'm not talking about being happy all the time. Oh, I'm just, I'm just full of joy. Ha <laughs> ha, I'm smiling all the time. No, there's a lot of joy in my life, but sometimes it's, 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 it's not all rainbows. It's not all butterflies. It's, things are tough. Things are tough. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody here. 
I'm preaching to somebody. I don't like Lubbock. I don't like... I know how you feel. <laughs> These people are weird. You'll get to know them. And then you'll say, I love Lubbock. But the question you've got to ask is not, why me? It's, God, what are you doing in me? What are you doing? Ooh, okay. Can I, permission to step on toes? That got permission? When I first got here and I planted the church, there were times that um, I complained. I know it's hard for you to believe. Me being holy and everything, I know. It's hard. But I would complain to God. You know what happens when we complain to God about our situation? Where God brought us from and where God brought us to? We're saying that he made a mistake. God, you brought me to love. Look, I, I look at Soph and Yvonne. 19 years, they brought Soph and Yvonne. God didn't make a mistake. He brought you here. Yeah. But when we complain, Lord. <laughs> oh my gosh, you didn't see that. When we complain, we're complaining God made a mistake. And God doesn't make mistakes, does He? He brought you here for a reason. He brought you through things for a reason. And it may not even be that you moved here. You may be from here, but you're going... We were far off, and God goes, man, I've got a plan for you. I'm going to bring you here. I've got you. Do you trust the living God to go, I got you. I got you. I got you. The Word of God declares that we were not, we were not united with Christ. We, were, we, we used to be far, 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 far away from God. But he says, but now. You need to know the but nows. Why? Because through his death, burial, and resurrection, now you brought close to him. You're close to him. Why wouldn't you take advantage of being close to him? You go, what do you mean? Through prayer. You can approach him anytime, any place, and pray. And just talk to him. Guys, sometimes, listen, if we're being honest, sometimes we have to think that our prayers are so theological. Oh, Lord, God is Taoist. Oh, creators of heaven. And we try to be real spiritual, and yet sometimes our prayer should just be, God, listen, I'm really struggling today. Or, or hey, could you walk with me in this test? Or, I've got, I've got this happening today. Or, listen, I've got this going to be coming up. Um, could you just, um, God, I just want to just feel you today. I just want to hear your voice. Can I say this? Because I know sometimes we feel this way. Sometimes we feel like God's mad at us. And God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. And he wants to have a relationship and he wants to walk. You know what I mean? If you're in here and you're married, and you're in here and you're married, have you ever been mad at your spouse? <laughs> Has your spouse ever been mad at you? And it's not comfortable, is it? It's not comfortable. It's not comfortable when you and your, your spouse are, and, and she's mad at you and she's, you know, you're walking in the mall and she's like not talking to you and everything. It's not, it's uncomfortable. Except for the person that's laughing. Then it's like, <laughs> you go, Pastor, what's your point? I said, God's not mad at you. He's not going, I'm not going to say anything to you because you just, he goes, no, I, I want to talk to you. It's okay. But Lord, I sinned against you. I know. 
That's why I sent, that's why I died on the cross. Because I knew you were going to mess up. I knew you were going to blow it. Well, I didn't mean to. I know. I know. What's going on in your life today? What's happening? Well, Lord, do you have that kind of relationship with Jesus? Do you take him with you? Do you talk to him? More importantly, do you hear him talk back to you? Well, I don't hear no audible voice or nothing. No, but he speaks to us through his word, Hebrews tells us. So you pray and you go in his word and say, okay, God, this is, this is great. I don't know what's going on in my life. Okay, he's going to speak to me. And maybe he's saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Listen to me, church. If we can trust him in the little things, then we can trust him in the big things. Through Jesus, he brings us really close. You go, Ben, what are some of the benefits of being part of this family? You ready? What are the benefits of being all in the family? Here we go. Number one, Christ brought peace to us. You know what that word peace means? It means quietness and rest. Quietness and rest. That's what we need, right? We love peace, quietness and rest. And that's what Christ does. He brings quiet. We're not anxious anymore. We're not at war with him. We're not fighting him. He brings peace. That's a benefit of being part of the family. You go, what else? Well, he united the Jew and the Gentile into one people. So he's, made a, he's created a new family. He's created a new family. The key is, are you part of the family? Are you part of the family? What else did he do? Another benefit is he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He broke down that wall. And number four, he reconciled two hostile families into one amazing family. If you go with us to Israel in 2024, something's going to happen to you when you get off that plane. Your heart is going to be drawn to the people in Israel because of what Jesus did. Because of what Jesus... I won't take Nathalie back to Israel because I'm afraid she'll stay. I have to handcuff her and make sure she gets on the plane. Because her heart is with, with the people. She just... But it's, it's because of Christ. You he reconciled... We're, we're family. You see, they're not Jewish people and us. They're family. They're family. Now, Listen. Paul teaches us what Christ did to abolish the alienation and reconciled us back to God as family. You guys got that? But one major focus for us is that once we realize this, oh, wait a minute, I'm part of a new family. Wow, this is what God did for me. This is amazing. Once we realize this and the eyes of our heart begin to open, then, everybody say then, you become ambassadors for Jesus. When you grasp it, and you go, oh, then you become an ambassador for Jesus. And what does an ambassador do? You reach out to those who are far from Christ. Listen, church, my heart and my goal is that we would make such an impact in our city. Such an impact. Now, we're not holding on to the good news ourselves, but we're sharing it with everybody. We're going, wow. 
You see, making an impact doesn't mean, well, I went around and I invited 15 people to church. Making an impact goes, okay, Lord, I'm sensitive to you. How can I pray for this one? Or maybe I need to help this, this widow with a gas. Or maybe the single mom needs some help with groceries. I don't know how you want to use me, God, but what can you do? And then they start looking at your life. You go, why would you do that? Why would you do that? Oh, let me tell you. I found out I'm part of a new family. I found out I have all these blessings. I found out that I'm in Christ. This is crazy. I found out that heaven is already secure, so I don't have to worry about it. I found out, oh my goodness, I'll open the eyes of my heart. I can see everything. This is good. I've got to tell you. I've got to tell you. And what we do, listen, you ready? You know what ambassadors do? We invite other people into the family. How about that? How about that? Now, let me tell you what's happened in our world. You guys know this. You guys know this. <sighs> 40, 50 years ago, if you're sitting in your living room, 60 years ago, someone knocked on the door. Oh, everybody got excited. Who's this? Who's here? And, and dad would go to the door. Oh, hey, it's part of the family. You'd welcome in. They'd come in. Hey, we were in the neighborhood. We were just visiting. Nobody said, hey, you should have called or nothing. They just, come on in. We come on. Hey, look, it's our cousins. And, and man, an instant party. Eva, do you remember that? Remember? It, that's how it was. That's how it was. We invited people to come into the family. We had a blast. Nowadays, what are they doing knocking on my door at 7 o'clock at night? Don't they know I have work in the morning? Shh, don't say anything, honey. Just stay right there. Then they call your phone. You're like, oh, they're calling. Hold on, hold on. Hello? What are you doing? I'm asleep. What's up? Where are you? I'm at your front door. Oh. Hold on, bad connection. Click and you hang up, right? Don't use that in the word. Guys, go back and go, hey, listen, I want to invite people to be part of our family. I want to invite people to be part of our family. This is so cool. And I love what Paul says in verse 17, taking you back to the word of God. He says, I came to preach peace to those who are far off and those who are what near. What's he saying? He says, I preached both to the Jew and the Gentile. The Jew and the Gentile. He says both. Do you guys remember in Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son? Do you remember the prodigal son, right? The, the dad had two boys. You had the older brother and the younger brother. And the, I'm going to give you the paraphrased version, okay? This is the Ben Martinez version. The younger brother said, Nanny, nanny, give me my stuff. I want to go party. I don't like you guys. That's what the younger brother did. Dad, and, and here's what he literally said. I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance. And so the dad says, here you go. And he liquidates everything that was ever given to him, takes the money. And now, here's a good Jewish boy going into Gentile land, learning what you learned today. That's not good. The Pharisees would have went, oh, stone him. How dare him go to Gentile? But then you had the older brother. The older brother said, Dad, listen, um, I'll stay with you, Dad. I'll stay with you. I'll do whatever you want, sir. You guys know the story, right? What he was doing is he was comparing the tax collectors and the sinners with the Pharisees. You go, okay, you with me so far? 
So the tax collectors in the cities was the, was the prodigal out living the vida loca until he runs out of money and he's like, oh my God, I'm starving to death. My dad, I'll just go back, right? And dad runs to meet the boy and he hugs him and he puts, why? Because when the boy was coming back, the neighbors, the little city there, their little town would see the boy coming and want to what? Kill him. How dare you go squander your dad's, how dare you say that to your dad? That's disrespectful. And now you're coming, we're going to stone him. So dad runs and he hugs him. He says, no, 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 you're my boy. Put on, kill the fatted calf. Well, guess what? All the while, the older brother, he's out in the field. He comes in and goes, what's going on? What's happening? Oh, you won't believe this. There's, it sounds like there's a party at the house. Oh, yeah, your, old, your younger brother was lost and he's found and he's killed the fatted calf and there's music and there's dancing. Let's go. And what does the older boy do? The older boy goes, I will not go in. And he stands and he folds his arms and he goes, I will not go in. And so much so, the dad comes out to meet him. Son, everything I have is yours, but he was dead. Now he's alive. Come on in. And the son says, Dad, and you know the story. Dad, I've been here for you. I've done everything for you. And now you, you didn't even kill a goat for me and here you're killing the fatted calf. I can't believe you. And Jesus leaves the story just like that. You go, Pastor, what was, what's the point? The point of the parable is that whether you're a sinner, a tax collector, or you're a Pharisee, Jesus invited everyone into the party. Amen. He invited everyone into the party, guys. Think about this. Paul says, Jesus came and he preached to the Gentiles. That's us. And he preached to the Jews that were far away. Come on in. And he, and he invites everyone into the party. He invites everyone to the party. I love that. I love that. So after all this, we see the Jews and the Gentiles basically... Here's the transformed in him. Picking it up in verse 18, he says, For through him we both live, have access by one spirit to the Father. Okay? The Greek expression here, if you're taking note, refers to the privilege to address one superior. You ever have that? This is what he's saying. He's saying, hey, whenever you, I mean, you, you can talk to your boss. But you can't talk to the president of the company unless he opens the door for you to come. Come on in. Tell me what you need. And you're like, oh, I'm talking to the president of the company. Right? This is what it means. Let me give you an, an example. Anthony works for Amazon. I can talk to Anthony at Amazon, but I can't, get a, a, I can't get an appointment with Jeff Bezos, who's the owner of Amazon. But can you imagine if I had access to do that? In a spiritual way, he's saying, this refers, but through him, we both, we have access by one spirit to the Father. Warren Wearsby writes, both have access to the Father in the spirit. Under the Jewish economy, only the high priest could go into the presence of God, and that only once a year. But in the new creation, every believer has the privilege of coming in to the Holy of Holies, Hebrews chapter 9 or 10. Both Jews and Gentiles now belong to the household of God, and the Jew can no longer claim greater privileges. 
It's through faith in his blood that Jews and Gentiles are privileged. That's what Warren Wiersbe says. You have access to God. Through his spirit, you can talk to him. You're part of the family. We're all in the family. Verse 19, Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Thank you, Jesus. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord and whom also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Now, again, whenever we see a therefore, here's the application. He says, you are no longer strangers. Now, notice he didn't say, you're no longer strangers. Because we're all strange in our family, aren't we? But he says, you're no longer strangers and foreigners. Guys, listen, you're part of the family. And he says this, you're part of the family with the saints and the members of the household of God. So Paul, he's going to close this chapter by reminding us that we're living stones that now make up the temple of God. A living stones isn't 14 feet away from the temple. It's part of the temple. You understand that? You once were sitting there looking up at the temple saying, I wish I could get close to God. But now you're going, I can talk to God anytime. I can talk to God anytime. He says, you were strangers. You were strangers. It's the same thing when a stranger comes to your door. You don't know who it is. And so you'll, you'll kind of, you know, I mean, we'll talk to a stranger outside, but we never invite that stranger in. And that's how it was with us. And he goes, no, you're no longer a stranger. You're no longer a foreigner. He says, but now through Christ, guess what? You have a new address. You have a new last name. He says, you're fellow citizens with what? With the saints. Who are the saints? Other believers. And he says, and those of the household of God. First Peter chapter 2, verse 4-8 through eight says, Coming to him as a living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. You, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifice and acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it also contained the scripture. Behold, I lay at Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect precious. And he who believes in him will by no means put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are dishonest, the stones which to a disobedient, the stones which the builder rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. They stumbled, being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. What's he saying? He's saying this to you and I. You're the living stones now. That's part of why we call this living stones loving God. First three chapters, Paul reminds us that we're living stones part of the temple. We are a brand new family. It's a modern family, if you will. It's a modern spiritual family that we're all together. And it's a mystery. Why? How does God do this? Through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. What you need to know 
is the apostle and the prophets are not the foundation. They laid the foundation since they were the first to proclaim the message. Christ is the foundation of the local church and the chief cornerstone of the whole building. Think about the first two chapters as we close our study. What's that? Think about this. Let me be, let me remind you today before you leave how precious and loved you are by God. This is how he sees you. Your position in Christ is amazing. Guys, he chose you before the foundation of the world. He predestined you. He redeemed you. These are all wonderful qualities. He gave you an inheritance. He sealed you, sealed you with the Holy Spirit. Then he prayed that you would have eyes that have understanding and that you would walk in him. And he saved you by sending his son Jesus. How are we saved? We're saved by grace through faith. Understanding that we were once dead, but now are alive in him. And today we learned how he reconciled us back to game and gave us a new family. A new family. Let me, let me put it to you this way. This is your forever family. You ever hear that saying? Oh, how many of you want your forever house? Oh, that's going to be my forever house. I'm going to die in that house. And then five years later, you move to a different house. It's not like that with the family. Guess what? This is your forever family. So here's what I want you to do. Look around because you've got to get used to these people. They're your family. They're your family. You've got to get used to them. Wait a minute. Philip's going to live by me in heaven? Maybe. He's my forever brother. Well, what if, what if Philip moves in the next three to five years? And he moves somewhere else. His job takes him. Still my brother. You understand that? We're forever family. We have family all over the world. Next time you're traveling, just call up one of your family members. Hey, according to Ephesians, we're, we're family. Can I stay at your house? How about that? Now, if they hang up on you, we'll have more work to do, okay? <laughs> Listen. If you're here today and you're not a true believer in Jesus, I want to invite you into a family. And I would beg you to quit playing church. Quit being religious. He has so much more for you. Do you realize that Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we can have life? You understand that. See, I want to illustrate it this way, and I didn't ask for permission, but most of us in this room know Jimmy. Jim and Rosa. And Friday night, they called Jimmy and said, if you can get to the hospital, we might, we might could do a liver transplant and save your life. So at 8 o'clock, Jimmy and Rosa and the family head up to Dallas. That's where they are right now. And we talked to Rosa on the phone. I said, Rosa, what's going on? And she goes, well, we're here, and here's what they said and everything. And then she got real quiet. Jimmy, to live. Somebody has to die. For Jimmy to live, someone has to die. 
that can get his liver and transplant. And that so impacted me. Why? Because for you to live, Jesus had to die. You can atone for your own sins. It's only through his blood that he's reconciled you to the family. And here's the difference. If our brother Jimmy gets a liver and he lives for another 20 years, he's going to die. But when you accept Jesus, you may die on this earth, but you're never going to die. You'll be with him forever. So why wouldn't you want that? Why wouldn't you want that? Why would you want to play around with church and go, ah, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm young. I'm doing whatever I want to do. Why would you want that? You would say, no, I want all that God has for me. Most of us in this room remember being this age. And in the blink of an eye, you're this age. And you're wondering, God, what's next? What's next? So I'm going to give you an opportunity today. If you are far from Christ, if you've walked away from him, we call the term backsliding. But if you're backsliding and you want to come to Jesus today, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you're here today and you've never given your life to the Lord, you're not in a real relationship with him, but today you want to be. Now, if you've prayed this prayer, trust that God has saved you. You don't have to raise your hand every time. But if this is new and you could feel the Lord speaking to you, then I'm asking that you would say yes to him. Say yes to him. We're inviting you into the family. It's a wonderful family, but you got to say yes. Father, thank you for your word tonight, today and the truth in your word. <clears throat> the gospel is being lived out every day in lives. And no one knows the gospel right now more than Jim. And spiritually speaking, that's what you did, Jesus. You died so that we could live. So I pray right now that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, anybody watching online or listening via podcast or radio, I pray, pull over, take a minute, and give your life to Jesus. Surrender your life to Him. With every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone in this room that would say, Pastor Ben, would you pray for me? I want to surrender my life to Jesus today. I want to surrender completely to Him. I want to, I want to be saved. I want to give my life to him, and I, I, this is the first step. So if that's you today, would you do me a favor? Would you just lift up your hand, because I want to pray for you. Well, Pastor, why do I have to lift up my hand? Because I want God to see your heart. Just lift up your hand right now. Say, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. I want to give you an opportunity again. If you're not right with God, if you don't have a relationship, if you're even questioning right now, if you're backslidden, 
Just lift up your hand right now. I want to pray with you. I want God to see. Would you do that right now? Go ahead and lift up your hand. Lord, I thank you today that in your presence, through the power of your Holy Spirit, the people here, Lord, are right with you. And that, Lord, I can lay my head on the pillow knowing that your work, your will is done. And so I thank you. I thank you. I pray, Lord, that the message would take us to a whole nother level in reaching our city for you. That we would go out and tell others about you, even today. In the beautiful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.